Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, y'all? So today, no script, just going to be ripping it, just straight ripping it off the dome. I'm going to talk about life update. Just some stuff that's going on in my life. I feel like that's pretty well received, especially with those of you who are parents and who are interested in what goes on behind the scenes of stuff. And talk about some relationship stuff. Talk about some... Um, just talk about a little bit of everything. You know, I'm just going to riff it. We're going to call this episode Riffin'. So if you like this, let me know. You know, Let me know via DM if you like this kind of format where I just kind of go off the cuff. You know? Because I, I do a lot of, obviously, stuff on like specific topics where I just talk about value. I talk about... Uh, fat loss, talk about you know hormones, and I love doing that. But it's also fun to just kind of be my just well, not just be myself, but just just talk. Some, some of my favorite podcasters just do that, and so and that's those are some of my favorite ones where they just talk about random stuff in life that we can all kind of relate on. So today, so those for those of you who don't know, Haley and I, uh, she has a son. I have a son. They're roughly the same age, like six months apart. Denver's three and a half, and, and Weston's three. So we're blending families. And those of you who are doing that, you know, or have done that, where you combine children, it's it's an experience. It's challenging, right? It's something that we are are doing very well, but it does have its challenges because the kids are different, right? Denver is one way, and we've done things one way, and Weston is another way with some things. Now, the cool thing is they play so well together, uh, which is fun to watch. It's like WrestleMania. Every single day, Undertaker versus Kane, WrestleMania. And that can be challenging in and of itself. What is really cool is the stuff that I've learned thus far about fatherhood and parenting. I have found, I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but I have found that when I get perturbed or when one of them, especially, and I'm going to be honest, especially Weston, like the stepchild here, I'm going to give space for those of you who are, who have brought a stepchild into your family. I'm going to give you space to to make errors and to, to make mistakes and to deal with some of these feelings. Because for me, it's been tough because sometimes I have less patience with him than I do Denver. And I have found that I've been my most tested because there's each of them do their own shit. Like each of them, Denver does things that are like annoying. And, you know, he has his own out, form of outbursts, Weston as well. And the challenge for both Haley and I has been, where do we fit in? What what is overstepping, right? We we have such concern and compassion for the other parent because we're each like, well, I don't want to overstep here. So I can't advocate enough just having open, transparent conversations, and that's kind of what we've been doing. Which is like when something comes up, hey, tell me what would you do here, or what do you guys usually do, or like what we usually do this. What would you do? And just talking about it, right? I mean, you should do that with everything, but especially this. It's so difficult sometimes to know like what you should do. And there's no manual. There's no guidebook. You just got to do what works for you all, what's healthy, right? But I found that when I'm in moments where you know one has an outburst, I immediately do what I'm programmed to do, which is what how I was raised, what my dad did. And a version of him is what his dad did. And recently, I had a really good... Just some breakthroughs with some realizations with parenting. And that is, we have a choice. You know, We don't have to do... We inherently are going to do what, we, what was modeled for us. And for me, that was like at times authoritarian, fear-based discipline, 
which is, and again, my dad was awesome dad. This is not to throw shade at my father because he's amazing, right? Look at me. <laughs> but there are some things that I want to do differently or try to do differently. And, and I remember being as a child, you know, being scared to, not because I was ever abused by my parents, but because my dad was intimidating. You know, he's a big muscular guy and I'm a big, you know, muscle, muscular guy. And I don't want to rule through fear. And so I've had these instances recently, which is beautiful, where it's like, we can break the chain. And that's not just with discipline, it's with everything. But like for me, it's like, I don't have to, I don't have to rule that way. I don't, there doesn't have to be this super stern reaction to an out, an emotional outburst by a three-year-old, right? It's like, not everything has to be a teaching moment, obviously, but there can be moments where I, it's teaching moments for me because I've cultivated this awareness where I can feel this visceral, like, I want to react to what they're doing. But what if instead of that, I did something that's counterintuitive to the programming and I started tickling him instead? You know, what are those other perspectives? That kind of leads me into, you know, what I want to talk about a lot today, which is our reactivity, being activated, triggered, right? And when you're in a relationship, you know, you're going to get activated sometimes. And I'm a huge, and I've said this in other episodes, but a lot of healing, can only be done in relationship because you're not going to face when you're single, you don't face certain shit that you only face in relationship, right? Like the combining of two lifestyles, the combining of two personalities, differences in opinion, differences in behaviors. And, and more of that's revealed the more longer you're with somebody. And so the rubber hits the road when, to, you know, if you're do, really doing the work, you'll see in relationship, that's when it's going to come up the most, you know? And I'm not saying that you can't obviously do a lot of healing when you're single. Absolutely. But it's going to be tested when you're in relationship and you really have to apply those things that you're working on. And when you're activated is the, is like, that's an opportunity, right? And, you know, I still make mistakes when I'm activated. For me, I tend to, if I make a mistake or say something that I regret, I tend to, you know, be really hard on myself. Damn it. Like all that work for nothing, but it's not, that's not true. You know, behavior modification takes such time and one one of the and, and Haley and I are going to do a podcast together soon, and we'll talk about a lot of this. But one of the greatest things about our relationship is the room that we have for each other's fuck ups, and the room that we have for each other to be messy. And as humans, we tend to try and stamp out the things in others that we can't stand within ourselves. You know, like we tend to if if there's something about us that we can't be with, like we don't want to look at, we tend to try and control that or stamp it out or criticize that in other people. It's just life's just a mirror, right? And so we just, you know, talking openly about that and being vulnerable enough to say, this really got under my skin or man, this really, this activated me. There's so much intimacy to be gained there. And I think that's one of the things, you know, we're early in a relationship, but that's one of the things that really helps us a lot is being able to have room for the other person's messiness. Sometimes we set such high standards for ourselves and it leads us to set high standards for other people. And then that leaves very little room. I mean, high standards are fine, but it leaves very little room in relationship for each of you to be messy in your own way. The young parts of you, the unhealed parts of you that show up when you're activated, right? So, man, just like it's all opportunities for growth. If you feel yourself getting viscerally activated by something the other person just said, the more you can turn internally and say, I wonder what's going on there. It's like a trailhead. That's what a psychotherapist I know calls it. It's like a trailhead. Every trigger is a trailhead. And so, oh, opportunity for growth. Don't just, like the more you can be aware of it and be curious about it instead of just letting it take over your whole body and react, the more changes you can make. And that takes time. 
because you're, you're, it's like your fight or flight. It's like your instincts to get activated and go into defense mode. But anytime we're defending in a relationship, anytime we're like adversarial, it never goes well. You get in a gridlock. And there's a, it, it, what is going on in conflict, usually I found, and this is all my experience. I'm not playing armchair therapist here. This is learn from my fuck ups, right? It's there's some kind of, there's a lock that we're both looking for. We're just, it's like when you're in a gridlock with someone, and usually like the person that we've been most open and vulnerable with and we love the most has the most opportunity to hurt us. So that's why a lot of times the most activating conflicts are with our spouse or our partner, right? But like we, usually what's actually happening is, it's like looking for the keyhole. It's like you're coming home drunk from a party or some shit and you're trying to find the keyhole in the dark with the key. That's what's happening when two people are in gridlock and they're like not hearing each other. You know those moments when you feel like you're speaking two different languages? What you're actually, in my experience, what's happening is you're trying to find the key to the lock in that moment, you know? And once the way to find the keyhole is someone or both of you, ideally, eventually says, hey, this is what's actually going on for me, right? The argument will be about something stupid. Usually, what brand of toothpaste you should use or like a certain way to set up the dishwasher or why do you leave the tooth, the, the cap off the toothpaste, right? And it's usually some root thing. That issue is just the surface, the symptom of, you know? And But there's something going on. And in reality, it's usually, well, I felt really shitty when you said this two weeks ago and the tooth the, the, the cap for the toothpaste sent me over the edge you know like, this is how this made me feel or I feel like this when we do this you know keep it side your side of the street if you can but that is what usually what's going on and then usually there's this like epiphany oh I had no idea you felt that way when I said that now we feel seen right now it's oh okay and we start to relax and that is where the closeness comes. And, and we've had several of those moments where it's like a conflict. We navigated a conflict and conflict's inevitable, right? But we navigated a conflict and the outcome of it was intimacy, closeness, you know? So I just want to share that because, man, I've just found that so much of intimate relationship is those types of things. And when we feel relaxed in ourselves and there's no pressure to maintain exceptionalism or be perfect or not fuck up, we don't fuck up as much because it's like we don't feel shame or pressure or anything. And so like the it's almost like a a pot boiling over, right? When we feel the pressure to be perfect or we're walking on eggshells in relationship or we're avoiding tough conversations. It's like swiping a credit card or it's like a pot about to boil over, you know? And when we don't, when we avoid those uncomfortable conversations, like kicking the can down the road, you know? So I encourage you all to lean into those tough conversations because the only outcome is going to be growth or more alignment or closeness. So, and when two people are mutually willing to do that, and it's tough because life gets in the way, kids get in the way, stuff like that, right? But don't avoid them. Don't avoid them. Maybe you can have it in front of the kids sometimes if it's an appropriate conversation, right? It's a conflict that can be navigated healthily. Do it in front of the kids so they can see you find that keyhole, you know, and they learn to do it for themselves. I talk to a lot of people where their parents never, they're like, oh, my parents never argued in front of us. And usually those people aren't very good at navigating conflict because they never saw it resolved in a healthy way, right? So. Dude, intersections are hard. I was driving and I don't know what it is. I'm, this is going to make me look really bad. But I, we were driving a Tesla when we were in uh, Albuquerque in, uh, for the Balloon Festival a few weeks back. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because I was in unfamiliar territory. I was driving a car I'm not used to driving. I, that's the first time I've driven a Tesla. I ran six stop signs. And Haley would just watch me run, like, well, she wouldn't just watch. She would protest. Obviously, she'd be like, what do you do? You, just, you know, you just ran a stop sign. <laughs> I didn't even see. I didn't even see it. 
don't even see the stop sign. Anyway, intersections are hard because a lot of people uh, don't know what to do when you get to one. And I think you guys can correct me if this is wrong, but Haley and I were thinking it's clockwise, right? So whoever gets there first, if you all get there at the same time, you just go clockwise, right? But then you get into this thing where it's like the other person, God forbid they have tinted windows or you have tinted windows because they can't see They're like, go ahead. They can't see that gesture, right? Uh, And you get in this gridlock where it's like they're... It's one of two things. Either you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," and one of you try... As soon as you try to go, they try to go, right? Or you're both good samaritan it or where you're like, oh no, you go ahead. And you get in a contest of who's the more patient good Samaritan today. And you're trying to give them the signal and they can't see it. Or you can, or you both give it to each other at the same time. Oh, where do we go from here? Meanwhile, it's been 30 seconds and no one's done anything. And now cars are coming up behind you and it's like, and you just like, yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough. Daily interactions with humans can be tough. You know what else? I, I, I don't like it gets like, this is just a daily day-to-day thing. Someone holding the door open for me when I'm like 50 feet away. And you got to do that awkward jog, you know, up to the door. You got to do the shuffle or something, right? And you haven't stretched, you know, if you're 30 plus, you haven't stretched or you got some old nagging injury and you're like, despite this injury, I'm still going to hurry because they're holding the door open and I don't want to have to burden them with my slow walk, you know, my casual, normal walk, right? And then you turn around, do it for someone else. You criticize someone else for doing it for you. Then you turn around, do it. Somebody who's 30 feet behind you because you feel obligated because they're, you know, they're like, within what you deem to be appropriate distance to hold the door open. God almighty. You know, that's a tough one too. That's a tough one too. We're doing a so potty training. So we are and look, when I... Okay, hold on. Before I get to potty training, I posted a video recently <laughs> on Facebook and TikTok. I didn't do Instagram purposely because different crowds. So I, those, those of you who know, I'm obviously I do a lot of social media content and I do it on multiple platforms. And I found over the years that the platforms are different. Haley and I describe Facebook as <laughs> okay, if you post something on Facebook, it seems like you might as well just post it in a Walmart, like in the middle of a Walmart at 2 a.m. Like I have this term I use called 2 a.m. Walmart people. It seems like you go in Walmart or somewhere similar to Walmart at 2 a.m. Everyone has some kind of deformity or limp. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why that is. You just go in there. It's just a whole, it's like the hills have eyes types of people. Anyway, if you post something on Facebook as a content creator, it's like posting in the middle of Walmart. You just get all walks of life and people who just have never seen you before and judge you immediately. So that's where I get the most steroid comments, the most comments on my appearance, the most triggered comments. Whereas Instagram, y'all are my people. You know, like y'all have been following me for a while, you know, at least three to six months, some of you years. And some are more like avid supporters who know what's up, you know, like you've been following me long enough to know that. Like what my intent is behind my content. You don't think I'm some muscle bound douchebag. You've seen me, you know, for a while. And like, yeah, you get it, you know? Whereas TikTok is kind of like Wild West. It's like a mix. It's like TikTok shows it to a whole new audience, um, but it's also a relevant audience depending on your hashtag. So I don't get as much negative shit on TikTok unless something goes viral, viral. Then you get the people who can't even spell their own name commenting. They just don't get it. At all, there's that's that's viral TikTok people, right? Um, because a lot of times, if something goes, it gets enough traction. It's not like obviously my content is just for women. A lot of, if it gets enough traction, it's going to be shown to everyone, and then men start commenting shit, and they're like, "Hey, did this apply to men too?" Or they were just steroids, just steroids. That's all they say, right? <laughs> or if I give nutrition advice, they're like, "Why didn't you mention you're on steroids too?" As if that would negate. The, the advice or guidance I'm giving that's evidence-based, right? So like Because I look like I'm on steroids or to them, 
everyone who's more developed than them look must be on steroids. You know, obviously, every negative comment on social media is just an admission of inferiority, right? And so obviously, I don't care anymore. I don't comment back unless I can say something snarky and funny. But it sure doesn't bother me nearly as much as it used to. I had a crash course in that when I started getting some traction. People started leaving negative shit. Anyway, all that to say, recently, I've noticed with, with the demographic that we serve, you all are nosy as fuck. I've talked about that on another episode. You all are super fucking nosy. You all are asking me about a relationship from over a year ago. What happened to so-and-so? None yet. How about that, you know, but like you're super nosy. So one of the things people will, I, this is what amazed me. Someone commented on that video that I, I was talking about the engagement. Ring. I was like, people are commenting on the engagement ring. Why would you know comment on that? You know, like what? Or, or I guess I made it like a controversial topic. Like why is it? Why is it weird for a male to wear an engagement ring when the woman has to wear one? Why is it weird? You know, because people are like, oh wow, you're wearing one too. And I'm like, oh yeah, not a big deal. Why wouldn't I? Anyway, like, why would I want to broadcast anything except being happily committed, right? But the comments were, hey, like this person literally said, hey, I noticed your lips are really puffy and your eyes are looking red. I've watched 20 other videos and I noticed that recently you, your eyes have looked more puffy and your lips more puffy. Are you okay? And so like right then I was like, holy shit, this person is so invested in this that they went and compared 20 other videos to make sure that their assertion was correct. I, so <laughs> it's just, it didn't bother me because I mean, there were other comments too. So obviously there was a difference in my appearance, but they were like, hey, are you okay? Do you have high blood pressure? Did you get lip injections? And I'm like, okay, Jesus Christ. First of all, no. <laughs> when I shave my beard, my lips look bigger. When I have a larger, and Haley actually brought this to my attention. When I have a longer beard, my lips look smaller. The hair around my lips is also lighter, right? It's lighter. So my lips are accentuated by my beard. Sometimes I do, I record videos when I woke up like an hour or two prior, because that's when I'm at my most creative. So my eyes will be a little puffy, maybe a little red. I also never take my contacts out. That's when that one's giving me a lot of backlash. I don't care. Because guess what? Every time I go to the optometrist, they tell me that my eyes are getting healthier. Oh, wow. You're actually, yeah, you, you keep doing what you're doing because your eyes are getting healthier. How often are you taking your contacts out? I'm like, never. And they're like, oh, that's terrible. And I'm like, hmm, is it though? I know. I, look, I know I should take them out. But anyway, I'll leave them in six months. Anyway, anyway, so I like, yeah. So like people are super invested in the most subtle things that I would never even think of. They're super like attentive. It won't even be about the video. Like I'll make a video, I can make a six minute long video on PCOS and someone will be like, hey, what's wrong with your eyes? <laughs> Or hey, what's up in the background? Like people who may may or may not have like ADD or something, and just notice things that aren't even the the, the focal point of the video, and be like, hey, what, what's that? What, ah. You know. Anyway, that's just comes with the territory of millions of people seeing your shit, right? And I'm grateful for it. So, yeah, it's really so. My life is very different now than how it was even six months ago. I mean, shit, this year. I mean, I was dating someone different <laughs> in January of this year. Now I'm engaged to someone else and the year is not even over. It's November. You know, that's pretty wild. It shows you how much can change in a year. It shows you how much I don't, what's the word, uh, deliberate on the things that are aligned, right? I just move. That served me very well. My faith in love is greater than my faith in fear. And I'm not criticizing those who want to wait to do things and feel things out longer and make sure this is exactly right and perfect. However, I just don't think if something makes sense, it makes sense, right? If you have tough conversations early and you have conversations that are about really important shit, like your values and morals and upbringing, 
childhood, like how you raise children, your goals in life, like all those things, you get aligned on those real early and have difficult conversations, talk about sex, your like deal breakers, your desires without any kind of bubble wrapping, right? And Haley and I both happen to be that those types of people. But if you do that earlier, like sooner rather than later, you don't have to really deliberate that long, in my opinion. I do things quick. I think success like speed. And I haven't that hasn't always worked out for me. But it I learned every time. And I was like, oh, I sh- I overlooked this, or I didn't, I wasn't clear about this or transparent enough about this. And that's actually what bit me. It wasn't the speed in which I moved. It was the it was omitting certain things about myself or overlooking things purposely in someone when it wasn't congruent from the start. That's what's bit me. Not necessarily moving too fast because moving too fast is based on what society's view of how quickly you should move or make decisions in relationship. Well, I'm here to tell you, if society says it's normal, I'm going to do the opposite. Don't know about y'all, but society is not the metric of how I make my decisions because society is fucked. Okay. You know, there's still people that rob banks. Because in this day and age, I'm like, how the fuck could you possibly get? I guess nobody really gets away with it, but there are still people that rob banks and do heist. That blows my mind. I mean, because, okay, look back in like the 70s when all those serial killers were like rampant, right? Like you had the Charles Manson thing going on. You had Ted Bundy. I think that was a little bit later. You had Jeffrey Dahmer. You had all those guys, right? That all the documentaries are on Netflix. And they all happened like in that same like 70s, you know, 70s, 80s. And you look back, it's like, well, there's multiple factors there. And those of you who have been down this rabbit hole, no way more than me, right? But like there were the, the drug, like the LSD and stuff. Obviously, people, the CIA was experimenting with people back then and stuff like that. But also, there was no surveillance cameras. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to drive somewhere and rob something or do something, like there was no, there was nothing recording. And so they really had to do detective work to find you and then collaborate with other, you know, I guess precincts and stuff like that to find these people. But now, not only do we have surveillance cameras everywhere, everyone has an iPhone. You know, I don't know how anybody gets away with anything these days, if they do. It's just new day and age, right? But there's still people that do it. I saw it on the news the other day. Somebody robbed a bank. I was like, what, dude? How? How are they getting away with it? Not that I need would want. I just, I'm like, dude, how do you even... A lot of planning goes into that, I would imagine. You ever watch Fun with Dick and Jane? We watched, what do we watch? We watched Downsizing last night with Matt Damon. Meh. Meh. Dude, let's talk about Marvel. Why is Marvel, why does Marvel suck now? The MCU, not the comics. Your comic book reader, they're still good. But the MCU sucks. Probably because woke-ass Disney ruining everything. That's why I think, just to be frank with you, I think Disney is ruining Marvel. Uh, and I know Disney's been involved for quite a while, but after Endgame, things really took a shitter. And I think obviously James Gunn being involved really, really helped. He pretty much, I think I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure James Gunn, the director, came in around Winter Soldier. And then through Endgame, he was pretty heavily involved with all of, a lot of the movies. And his movies were just incredible. And then now they're just like, Love and Thunder, meh. You know, the second Black Panther. I liked Ant-Man, Quantumania. But all the Ant-Mans are underrated, I think. And then the only Marvel movie coming out in 2024 is Deadpool 3, which stoked for. I don't think Haley's ready. She doesn't realize how fucking stoked I get for new Marvel movies. Oh, man. 
I get comments on my tattoos everywhere I go because there's a lot of Marvel fans, obviously. And Deadpool's on my left. He's like my biggest one besides Iron Man. I love Deadpool. And Ryan Reynolds is so well cast. Ryan Reynolds could do fucking anything though, right? He could do anything. He's so beautiful. Ryan Reynolds is beautiful. Yeah. So the way our days are right now is... So Haley's about to go into competition prep, which is a whole thing. Where she she's a for those of you who don't know she's an IFBB pro meaning she's she competes professionally in the in bodybuilding which she's in the wellness division which is bikini but very very particular physique that they look for and it's mostly very I won't say bottom heavy but you do proportionally have to be bottom heavy it's very leg focused with a smaller upper body but very lean I mean. I mean, all of them are very lean, but with bikini, the legs are still very slender. With wellness, they're like built like a centaur. So it's very, it's very particular. And I'm still understanding more about it. I competed in classic bodybuilding, maybe like shit in 2017 or 18, I think. Hated it. Uh, a lot of respect for people that do it, but it is, it is tough. It's tough on the body. It's tough on relationships. The nutrition is very hard, very restrictive. So that's going to be something that, you know, it's going to be tough to navigate in terms of her energy is going to be low. Usually it affects sex drive. Usually it affects mental cognition. Usually it affects mood because you're just barely eating, dude, because you got to get down to, you know, and she's someone, we're opposite spectrums when it comes to genetics. I'm someone who my struggle is keeping weight on and gaining weight always has been. I'm, I get lean very easily. I'm usually always lean, very blessed there. It was hard as a kid in athletics trying to put on weight, but now I love it. Uh, for her, it's opposite. Like she puts on muscle very easily. She's strong as fuck. She's built to move weight. And her son Weston reflects that as well. Her, because his father as well, very strong, very like leg heavy. They're just built to move shit. Whereas Denver and I are like avatars, right? Anyway, so her struggle would be is down the stretch of a prep for a show is getting lean enough. Uh, and she has to be very drastic with her nutrition. So it's tough, man. It's tough. You go from indulging and enjoying ice cream together and going out to eat and all these things to all of a sudden one of you eating out of Tupperware every meal. Everything's measured. Everything's weighed. Everything's tracked. Everything. Every morsel. Because it becomes even more crucial, you know, six, eight weeks out when you, it's like nut cutting time. You have to be lean enough to, to win or to, to compete, right? And at the level she's competing, she's trying to go to the Olympia and that's, that's the highest stage. So you have to qualify for that. So she's going to have to compete like, you know, once, twice, hopefully just once or twice and, and place high enough at a pro show qualify for the Olympia. Well, if she qualifies for Olympia, that means she's going to have to, you know, stay lean from early next year until late next year. So that's a long time. It's a year. So it's the lifestyle shift, you know, and we'll be doing that. Plus I have two businesses. I have the coaching. I have the the hormones that are launching in December. I'm working hard on both of those. And so, you know, we're very blessed though. So like we we live in Loxahatchee, uh, Florida, which is about the only place in South Florida that you can own land and not pay millions of dollars. We got very lucky with this home. And everything is about 30 minutes away from us. Everything. Besides one Publix, one gas station, a Walgreens, everything is pretty much everything substantial, like Best Buy, Costco, all the cool places, restaurants. They're in Wellington, which is like at least 25, 30 minutes. So that's been an adjustment, right? Because if we take Denver to school and Weston to school or uh, daycare right now, because they're three, we'll call it, then that's 15 minutes. But if... Then we have to drive an additional 15, 20 minutes to get anywhere. And it's, well, now we're out here. Let's do everything we can while we're out here. And then by the time we get home, it's like afternoon. <laughs> so that's been an adjustment. It's cool though, because we 
grocery shop together. We were fortunate enough to be able to go to the gym together a lot. Our life rips, dude. Our life rips. I really like it. What else? Oh, we're gonna, so we'll do a couple's podcast and talk about everything because her and I are very, 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 very open. So I did a Q&A on Instagram and asked you guys like what you want us to talk about. I screenshotted all the answers. So we'll, you know, we'll answer quite a bit of those. But once she picks up the mic, you guys are going to see, wow, what a dynamic, open person. And just, you'll see, you guys will get it. No wonder they are already engaged. Yeah. I'm going to film her in the gym because a lot of you have asked me to film exercises. It's more appealing for me to film her, obviously, see a woman doing it. And then I can talk while she's doing it. I think that's going to be the best format for that. Because me working out, that's going to be appealing to men, you know, not women. That's just what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think something funny that happened recently. Dude. (laughs) So, you know, when you're getting used to someone's quirks in a relationship, right? Like we both have ours, you know? And one of the things that we, and we'll talk about, I'm going to bring this up on the podcast because I think it's been a point of contention that we've worked through a lot. But obviously, like the way you view money is very important in a relationship. But like, we, it's so, our brains are just so different in some ways, you know? We are both, I would say, intelligent people. Her brain works very, very quickly and it's kind of all over the place. Whereas mine is more, it's quick, but it's not as quick. And I'm very, I'm focused, I can focus on one thing, you know? And where she is just like spiderweb, right? And sometimes it's, she's too smart for her own good. <laughs> I don't I mean that in a negative way. I just mean one time, she was that. I was giving her shit for this last night. I was, we're kidding her. I'm glad. I'm so glad we can joke about it. But like, she had a flight to catch, come home, and she decided to multitask and edit photos while she was waiting and didn't realize she was at the wrong gate and missed her flight. <laughs> I gave her so much shit about that. Oh my god! I was like, oh. we do this thing where we imitate each other. We but we do it to ourselves. We imitate ourselves and we imitate each other. But we use a really dumb voice. At first, it's really annoyed me when she first did it. But now, since I've seen her do it for herself, now she's, I know that she's impartial. Now we can joke about it. Because <laughs> first, I took offense. I was like, that's because when she imitates anybody, not just me, she does this voice where she's like, oh, I'm like, what do you, that makes me sound so dumb, you know? But she does it to herself too. So it's cool. It's like a comedian that rags on everybody, but also rags on themselves, right? Anyway, so <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to, there's nobody here. Nobody's boarding a plane, but I guess everyone's just kind of taking their time. It's five minutes till the plane is supposed to leave, but I under I guess everyone is just we're just gonna board, we're just gonna board a last second or something like that. I couldn't possibly I'd be at the wrong gate. That's how I imitate people that comment on my photos too, by the way. That's the same voice. I make a post about you know, I'll make a post and I'll be like, here are the supplements that you're supposed to take, or the ones that have evidence behind. Here's the supplements that work. Right. Here's the supplements that have evidence behind them. And I'll talk very specifically about those supplements, why and the evidence behind them. And then someone will comment and be like, oh, what about creatine? What about ketones? Oh, what, what about magnesium? And I'll be like, what about it? That's another thing. When I get asked questions on a Q&A or on social media, the more context you give me, the more nuance, the more specificity is there, the more accurately I can answer your question, the more effectively I can answer your question. But if you ask me a lazy fucking question like, thoughts on protein powder? Thoughts on Pilates? In regards to what, Deborah? 
give me context in regards to fat loss, mobility, protein powder in regards to what? The taste, ingredients, like what? Thoughts on questions are the bane of my existence because it's the laziest way to ask a question. Because basically, you're not actually asking me, but you're, you're asking me to confirm your beliefs. The majority of people on social media are just perusing, wanting their beliefs confirmed. They don't actually want evidence. I understand this. I'm still going to be evidence-based, but I already know that the majority of my audience doesn't give a fuck about evidence. They could care less if I quote a PubMed study because all they want is their beliefs confirmed. They're like, I feel like ketones help me burn fat. So I'm going to keep scrolling until I find someone who says they help me burn fat. If I scroll past 10 people who say they that ketones are fucking useless with no data behind them, but I find one that says they do, I'm going to drop $300 that day on ketones. That's how the majority of people think, unfortunately. And, and, and all I can do is just like poke in there here and there and hope that at one point, at some point after they've spent thousands of dollars on supplements that don't work, they'll eventually say, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> maybe he stands to gain nothing by helping me save money. <laughs> you know, like hopefully that's what comes across is like when I do these posts on like where I make it abundantly simple so you can get momentum in your fat loss. Hopefully somebody at some point says, you know, he's saying a lot of this simple shit that makes sense. And then I actually, you know, like it makes sense to me. Maybe he's not trying to take advantage of me because <laughs> you know? I get it. Like everybody in the space or in, in like on, you know, you get plastered with ads 24 seven, trying to take your money, trying to convince you have a problem that only they can solve hidden on your emotions. I get it. I even do a little bit of that with the divorce revenge body stuff, right? Clearly, but then you get in and you're like, oh, he's actually coming from an integral place of wanting me to change my lifestyle. And so I never have to crash diet, panic diet, et cetera, ever again. Right. But you got to stand out. So that's why I, I, I don't want to knock the hustle of people who are trying to take your money like that. But I also like the claims that are made and the things that people do with just bad information on nutrition. It's like, when you're trying to mold your child to have good habits with nutrition and set them up for patterns that are going to, you know, lead to success with their health and body later on in life, would you have them doing half the shit that maybe you've done? I mean, I know I wouldn't. You think I'm going to encourage Denver to make the same decisions I made with my body, like at certain points in my life, like steroids? No. Uh, do you think that I'm going to, you know, uh, encourage him to have a healthy relationship with food, maybe a healthier one than I had? Where we don't call foods good and bad, and we just inform and educate on like, hey, there's an, this is a this one has more nutrition. Let's opt for that one because we want our body to feel good, right? It's not that the, the Cheetos are bad. It's just, and Haley and I actually talked about this last night. It's like when we're teaching our kids about food, the effort to not fuck them up. You know, we want to, and all your kids are going to be fucked up. By the way, you just want them to be fucked up different than you are. That means you did your job. You didn't pass on your shit. But like with food, I think it's very important to distinguish, you know, language, right? Like good or bad, not language you want to use. Nutrient dense, delicious, just descriptive words like that. And the why, right? Like why do we want to try some fruit right now instead of the Cheetos? Well, it's got a lot of nutrients. It's going to make you feel good, you're going to be big and strong. You're going to be healthy. You're going to feel it's like it's good for your body. We want to honor our body. We want to do what's good for our body, healthy for our body. We can enjoy Cheetos. But it's something that, you know, it's like a, it's different. We want to do that away from home when we're like, you know, for us, it's going to be like when we're at the pool or at the trampoline park, something like that. Like we want to have that stuff just laying around the house where it's accessible 
all the time because if given the choice, a toddler is going to pick Cheetos over, or at least my toddler will pick Cheetos over fruit or, you know, nutrient dense food, right? Every time because it's more tasty. It's like, why in his brain, it's like, this tastes good. This tastes so so. I'm going to choose the good one. But we have to, it's our job as parents and especially somebody who's in the space like myself to educate on why we want to make other choices sometimes. Well, it's in our best interest long term make those choices. It's hard. It's, there's no guidebook. How do you do it? You know, And we don't want to make the same mistakes our parents made. You know, like One thing that I realized that a lot of parents did in my generation was make a happy plate, finish your plate by any means necessary. And so you get this mindset it's, as an adult, how does that work out for you when you finish your plate no matter what? Ooh, right? And then also the guilt for being wasteful, right? So now as an adult, you're told to finish your plate. Well, what does that lead to? Overeating nine times out of 10, right? So just being cognizant of the language that we use. Just, and again, like when you use this language that you've been programmed with or was given to you, just being curious about it, I think, right? Yeah. So like on a given day, what Haley and I usually do is we wake up. I actually wake up a lot earlier. I wake up at 5 a.m., 5.30, sometimes 6 if I need some sleep. And I get a lot of work done prior. And then she gets up around usually like 7, 7.30. We do breakfast with the boys, take them to daycare. And then uh, after that, we, we're fortunate enough to be able to go to the gym together, usually run some errands, do stuff around the house. We have a lot of unpacking left to do in this house. Holy shit. And then, and then yeah, we go get them around you know, in the evening. We spend some time with them, dinner, you know, play with them, and then go to bed. It's fucking sweet. Life rips, dude. Life fucking rips. Do the work. Do the work. Don't ever go into a relationship. My parting words here. I've been all over the place. Again, every just remember every trigger is a trailhead. Be curious, you know, before we go into defense mode and oh that motherfucker, why do he say this? Or she? What is it about you that you're going to communicate so much better if you go inside out rather than outside in internalizing shit? You know, I'm not saying don't have feelings and things shouldn't affect you. But before we let them come out sideways, just I don't know, the best advice I can give is just take a second. Take a second. Think about it. Why does this bother me like it does? Oh, this bothers me because in a prior relationship, this motherfucker said this. Oh, this activates me so much because this is what my ex-husband used to do. This is what my ex-wife used to do. Oh, I got in a fight with somebody once and they said this to me about my penis. So now I'm super insecure about, oh, this guy made fun of my vagina one time during sex. So now I have insecurities around this. And when you said that, I felt this. When you're able to do that, when you take a second, you're like, sometimes you can't do it instantly. Sometimes it takes time. When you're able to do that, you have now taken the, like, the blame off the other person. And usually that's what's going on. And sometimes we fuck up, right? Like sometimes they do say something that's out of pocket, out of line, insulting, undermining, right? But sometimes we place these potential patterns or we forecast them doing things based on what we've experienced prior. And all this is just cultivating curiosity around what makes us tick, what makes us activated so that you don't bring that shit into this relationship or you don't put so much responsibility on the other person to change things that aren't necessarily harmful or dysfunctional. Now, if it is, if it's disrespectful, that's a whole other thing. But if you're just activated, because of a, and especially like in a normal conversation, well, it's probably your side of the street. And talking about that openly 
will lead to a lot of growth between you. The goal is growth, right? It'll lead to a lot of growth because, oh, well, they're willing to be vulnerable about all their bullshit. Because sometimes we get in these relationships where it's like, oh, I'm not fucked up. You're fucked up. Or you're more fucked up than me. You need to do more work. Well, life's very dynamic. It's going to continue to move. And you're going to experience new shit together that each of you will... There's going to be some stuff come up. And so I'm, I speak from experience because I used to just try so hard not to fuck up. Or if I messed up, I'd be like, oh, shit. Mark one on the chalkboard. Now I got to wait for them to mess up to be even. Right? It's not the case, man. Like you gotta be, you gotta have that that safety with each other to fuck up mutually, and and that just gives a lot of space for growth. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this. I just wanted to riff today. Y'all have an amazing rest of your day. ESV out. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.